Here's what's coming up on today's show. Today's question is, should you always consider converting your IRA to a Roth IRA? Maybe not. Join us today to talk about five reasons not to do a Roth conversion. It's easy to get lost on the way to retirement. Things like taxes, improper planning, and excessive market risk can all lead you astray from your goal of a successful and happy retirement. That's where Liz Whittaberry comes in. She's a holistic financial advisor and the founder of Best Path Advisors, and she can help guide you to a better financial path. This is Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with Liz and I as we're going to talk about today's topic here on Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry from uh, Best Path Advisor. She's here once again to talk with us and really curious to follow up with our conversation. Hopefully you checked out our prior podcast where we did five reasons to do a Roth conversion. Well, this time we're going to go over the five reasons to maybe not do a Roth conversion. So looking forward to diving into today's topic. As always, if you need some help, please stop by. Yeah, definitely. Please stop by our website, bestpathadvisors.com. That's bestpathadvisors.com. How have you been since last time I chatted with you? Very good. Very yeah. good, Mark. How about you? Doing pretty good. Uh, it's We're into September, firmly into the September by the time we're doing this podcast. So it's a little cooler, which is nice. <laughs> Been looking forward to the temperatures coming down just a little bit. But we got a hot topic today because, Liz, as we said, Roth conversions have been a big piece of what advisors have been talking about all across the country for a couple of years now, really, because of the tax rates being kind of the big driver of that, again, as we discussed on the prior podcast. So this week, as we mentioned and we teased up that we want to break down or at least look at five reasons to maybe not do it. So let's just start with the tax again, since that's where we started the last time. Uh, Maybe kind of the, the tax conversation, how would that work in the context of not doing a conversion? Yeah. And I talk with a lot of people every week about Roth conversions. Right. Uh, because bottom line, taxes are our second biggest expense in retirement. Mm. Healthcare is the only one that's bigger than than our tax costs. So to the extent that we can reduce our tax cost, we can improve our retirement. So right. what should I do and what can I do to reduce that future tax cost? But it's important to look at your individual situation to determine, are my personal taxes actually going to be higher in the future? We know that tax rates are going to go up. We talked about that on the last podcast, right. that the tax rates are going up, the tax brackets are going up. You know, So you would assume that you're going to be paying more taxes in the future. However, that may not be the case depending on what kind of income you have. How does your personal income flow through your tax return and how will it flow through your tax return in the future? So I do find people that maybe are working now Mm -hmm. uh, and they've got some, you know, building some real estate as a part of their retirement, some preferential investments as a part of their retirement that are not going to be taxed as highly. And we find that their tax rate is not actually going to be higher in retirement. So if it's not going to be higher in the future, there's no point to pay more now than you would pay later. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think people, we also get confused about how the brackets are filled up too, right? So that right. that tends to kind of throw people off a little bit too. Uh, so yeah, really kind of structuring and looking at uh, how it's flowing through your personal tax bracket will go a long way towards that. So um, 
Go ahead. You yeah, the, the income tax brackets are, uh, you start with the 10% bracket and you move from that to the 12% bracket and then you move to the 22% bracket. And all the income that comes in fills up the lowest bracket first and then fills up the next bracket and then fills up the next bracket. So if your income in the future is going to be, you know, you're going to have income that is not, uh, you're not filling up all of those low brackets, you don't want to pay tax at a high bracket now and leave those low brackets empty in the future. You want to use the low brackets now and in the future, look at a way to even that out so that you're using the low brackets. Don't let those go to waste and trying to eliminate as much as you can income flowing through the high brackets. Yeah, it's almost kind of like a a use or lose kind of thing, sounds like. Yes, it is. Gotcha. Okay, very interesting for sure. Uh, What about our beneficiaries? So if our personal tax bracket could be lower, what about them? Yeah, when you're looking at your Roth conversion, whether or not to do a Roth conversion, you do want to consider what tax might your beneficiary pay. And when we talked last time, we talked about an example of Belinda who had inherited you know, from her mom and she had a high paying job and bonuses and RSUs and all of that, but Mm -hmm. not all beneficiaries work in that kind of environment and not all beneficiaries have high income. Uh, And if your beneficiary is going to have a lower tax bracket than you are, or even an equal tax bracket to yours, then it may not make as much sense to do as much of a Roth conversion. You don't want to pay more in tax again now than they would be paying later down the road. I gotcha. Okay. So depending on their lifestyle, uh, it can kind of flow into that conversation piece as well. Yeah. You you might be somebody that has, you know, that's in the 24% tax bracket, Mm -hmm. which is going to end up going to 28% when Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expires. Right. But you might have, you know, three or four children and they're in the you know, 22% bracket, or maybe even a couple of them are at in a lower bracket. Gotcha. Well, you can divide that IRA up between those children that are in lower tax brackets, and there's actually less tax being paid on that balance. And so that is, you know, it's important to try to estimate that as much as you can. Okay. And does that go across for multiple beneficiaries, I would assume? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. So, Talking about the five reasons here to possibly not do one, uh, the charity conversation we kind of we didn't touch on that one as much on the reasons to do, but that could be something that people want to do, and I think that's probably more with the RMD, right? It's like, well, I have to take this money. I didn't do a conversion. I don't need it. People often think about wanting to give to charity. So, how does that fit into the not doing a conversion? Is that is it for that reason that I just highlighted? Yes. If you are a person who gives to your church or gives to other charities, and I have a lot of clients that give to their church and give quite a bit of money Mm -hmm. to charities, uh, you can use money from your IRA to give to your church or your charity, and no one pays any tax on those dollars. Right. You zap it over, but it has to be direct, correct? It has to be direct. So that is called a qualified charitable distribution while you're living— Ah, okay. You can do a qualified charitable distribution. You've got to be 70 and a half or older, but you can have your IRA send the money directly to your church. You never receive the money in your hand. You don't pay any income tax on those dollars. The charity, of course, doesn't pay income tax on the dollars. So you can get money out of the IRA to your church, fulfill the giving that you 
we're already wanting to do and uh, completely eliminate any tax on those dollars. If you convert 100% of your IRA to a Roth, you pay the taxes on the dollars. If you're then giving money out of the Roth, you, you've paid taxes that you didn't have to pay. Yeah, that so makes a lot of sense. So if you keep yeah. some, mm-hmm. yeah, look at how much you might want to be giving to charity over your lifetime and keep back that much in your IRA because you completely eliminate the tax on those dollars. That's a great point. So yeah, if you are charitable-minded, uh, that's certainly a way to go about doing that. Because then, so when you're again working with an advisor, right, working with a professional to strategize, and that's part of those conversations earlier on, where you're saying, okay, here's what we've got, here's what I'd like to do. That kind of goes into that wishes and wants and hopes and dreams category. That allows you, Liz, to then go through and craft strategies like this where you say, okay, we're going to convert X amount of money over, but then we're also going to leave some here for something just like the charity conversation. That's a great point. I like that. Yeah. I actually just went through that with a with a client and we looked at, they have a, you know, a very nice amount in IRA and 401k. Mm-hmm. And we looked at keeping back eh, maybe about 250000 that's going to fund their regular tie that they give mm. that's going to fund that with growth on those assets going to fund that over their lifetime and converting the rest of the money over the next four years converting those dollars to a Roth because they don't need them to live off of that's going to be money that just grows tax-free that they um, can use if they want or can leave to their children and grandchildren which they do want to do right uh, and so that that becomes a very very good way of just completely eliminating tax on a part of the dollars that would be otherwise taxable. You can also leave some of your IRA at death to a charity. Oh, okay. And again, that eliminates the tax on those dollars and it can even help pull down the estate taxable amount and uh, have quite a few benefits. So if you want to leave, if you want to give during your lifetime or leave money at your death to use some of those IRA dollars for that charitable giving uh, is a huge benefit. Yeah, and there's definitely some residual effects, it sounds like, from doing that. So again, strategy goes a long way into these things. Um, now, you mentioned I was when you were talking about that earlier, you said something about, you know, obviously when we do the conversions, we have to pay the tax, right? That's the whole point is you're settling up when you do the conversion. Well, one reason I would think would be, well, what if I don't have the money? <laughs> or what if I can't pay the tax? Like, how does that become into the, to the equation? When we're talking about doing Roth conversions, the if you Google it, you'll see that there's a lot of recommendation to pay the tax from other money, not out of the IRA. And there's two reasons for that. One is when you convert the IRA to the Roth, if you move the full amount of the conversion, let's say you're going to do a $100,000 conversion and you're going to owe 20000 in tax on that, just as some rough numbers. Sure. If you okay. move the full 100000 into the Roth, you get that full hundred thousand sheltered in that tax-free Roth bucket. So going forward, there's you've got to be have it there for five years and be fifty-nine and a half. But going forward, you've got no tax on the hundred thousand plus all the growth that that generates over your lifetime. Right when you go to pull it out. Right when you go to pull it out. But that would mean that you have to pay that twenty thousand in tax from other money. You can pay the tax out of the conversion. So you take the 100000 you send 20000 for tax, you get 80000 mm. in the Roth. Mm-hmm. So there's a bigger benefit to you over your lifetime if you get the full amount into the Roth, you pay the tax from other money. But where sense. it could be de- detrimental, 
uh, where you would really have to think twice about doing the conversion if you didn't have the money to pay elsewhere is mm-hmm. if you're under 59 and a half. Mm, right. If you're under 59 and a half and you pay the tax out of the IRA, that 20,000 goes as a tax payment, you're under 59 and a half. That's counted as a distribution from your IRA and you have a 10% tax penalty on that. So you don't, you, you've suddenly significantly increased the tax cost of doing this conversion because you're under 59 and a half. So you yeah. need to, you need to realize that once you're over 59 and a half, that doesn't come into uh, play. You don't have that 10% tax penalty anymore. So then it's a matter of where does it make the most sense to pay the tax from, and you may have to pay it from the IRA, or you may be able to pay it elsewhere and get, you know, more into the Roth, but that so would some, be one other reason. Bucket, right. So having another bucket of money is, is that ideal then paying it from another location if possible? It is ideal. Uh, it's in, and it really is, um, necessary if you're under 59 and a half, yeah, because yeah. if you're, you don't want to pay a 10% tax penalty to, no. to do a Roth conversion. <laughs> Stack that on top of it. And you're like, well, this yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, and again, that's the topic this week is reasons maybe to not do a Roth conversion. What about, you mentioned the five years, like when going to a Roth and I know there's the little rule on that. So what if you do need the money in five years? So what are some breakdowns there? Yes, that would be a reason not to do a Roth conversion as well. Um, and again, it depends on age. When you're under 59 and a half, it's much more restrictive. If you're over 59 and a half, then again, you're not going to have that 10% tax penalty. If you're under 59 and a half, you will have the 10% tax penalty. So the thing to understand about money that you convert to a Roth, you're moving that out of your IRA, you're paying the taxes on it, you're putting the converted amount into the Roth. You can always get your contributions back with no tax. You can get the conversion amount back with no tax because you paid tax on it when you converted it. Right. But if you're under 59 and a half, you would pay the 10% tax penalty on the converted amount. That's because if you had just taken it directly out of your IRA under 59 and a half, you would have paid the 10% tax penalty. So the IRS is saying you can't avoid that 10% tax penalty by using this Roth account as this intermediary. You, If you're under 59 and a half, you have to leave it there, you know, for that five-year holding period and past 59 and a half. Gotcha. Once so- you've had, yeah, once you've had the money in the Roth IRA for mm-hmm. five years and you're over 59 and a half, then you can take your money back with no tax because you've already paid tax on it, but you can also get the earnings with no tax. Okay. So the earnings come out tax-free at that point in time. And, you know, obviously if you're doing a Roth conversion, it makes the most sense to have, to be putting money in there that can grow as long as possible to get as much benefit from having paid the tax, getting the money into the tax-free bucket, letting that tax-free interest, you know, gain, accumulate over time, building a much, much bigger balance in that account so that down the road when you're accessing the money on a tax-free basis, it's a a much bigger amount. The longer that it's there, the compounding over time is it makes it an even more significant benefit to you or to your heirs. And so you, if you're going to need money in the next little bit, it's not, doesn't do you a whole lot of good to move it over to the Roth and then take it out to spend it. It does you much greater benefit over your retirement to move money into the Roth and let that grow as long as possible and have other money for 
uh, the spending that you're going to need to do in the next five years. Yes, uh, you know the the, um, the appealing side, right? As you go, well, I want to convert this so I can pay the, you know, so I can take advantage of the taxes being on sale. Again, we kind of hear that as a, a big selling point. But then you're saying, well, I'm going to use this within a couple of years to take this big family vacation, or I'm going to pay for my, you know, kids' destination wedding or something like that. Well, you're you're not doing yourself any favors, right? So basically, what we're saying here is, if that's the case, that would be a reason not to go ahead and convert it and pay the tax now because you're going to need it too soon. Get those monies from elsewhere. Correct. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I had a kind of a follow-up final question just to kind of touch on. We had that kind of sixth uh, one on the prior one where we talked about control being an extra reason why people might like it. Is this age play a factor in this at all? I meant to ask you that earlier. I mean, I know we have the, the age limits that they set, but I've, I've heard other advisors and I hear things, you know, on different shows or whatever, where it's like, well, if you're a certain age, you probably don't benefit from doing a Roth conversion. Is there any validity to that at all? Or is it really just specific scenario and what you want to do? In my opinion, you have to look at your age plus that 10 years for the beneficiaries okay, and think about the total timeline for the IRA. What is the total timeline for the IRA? How many years will this IRA be distributed over? What is the tax that's going to pay paid over that number of years? And what are the things that you can do to eliminate as much of that tax as possible or reduce it to a much smaller number because that allows you or your charities or your family to have much more. So when somebody is is thinking about an age, sure, for that person's own personal lifetime, that could be true. Mm, okay. But unless they're going to spend their full balance of their IRA in their lifetime, then it's going to continue on to whoever their heirs are. And so all of these issues come into play, and it's a much more, in my opinion, a much more holistic analysis to determine what's the best thing here. And it may be that at an older age, you don't convert all of it, but there may be an amount that it makes sense to convert because, again, when you look at that life expectancy plus the 10 years for the beneficiaries, what can you do to make sure that you spend as little in tax as possible? Yeah, that's the goal, right? Yeah, it's not Why we, spend more than you have to? <laughs> exactly. we, we're not in business of tipping the government. We want to pay what we have to. That's right. But uh, we don't want to. We don't want to pay more. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, we tend to think of these things, financial conversations and stuff, Liz, as uh, math, right? But in this instance, it kind of hit me as we were finishing this up. It this kind of adds a little English class. It's a little bit of a who, what, where, when, why kind of factors into how you may or may not want to do your Roths or RMDs and kind of, you know, all those things are going to factor into the strategy of does it make sense for you to do a Roth conversion or does it not? So those are five reasons to maybe not do a Roth conversion to kind of partner up with our prior podcast of five reasons to maybe do a Roth conversion. So if you haven't checked that other one out, definitely go check the other one out as well. Uh, find all of that stuff, again, at Liz's website. Uh, we've got the podcast up and running, so you can find us on Apple or Google or Spotify, uh, all the major ones there. You can find all the information at bestpathadvisors.com. That's bestpathadvisors.com. Uh, anything else before we go this week, Liz? I'd just like to add that, you know, as we were wrapping it up there, just emphasizing it is a very unique answer to each person. There's, this is not something that there's an easy rule of thumb because it depends on your situation. So if you have any questions about this, 
reach out to us because we are here to help you be on your best path. Absolutely. And we always appreciate your time here on Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whitteberry from Best Path Advisors. Find her online at bestpathadvisors.com and we'll see you next time. The preceding program is sponsored by Best Path Advisors, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. Best Path Advisors, J.W. Cole Financial, and J.W. Cole Advisors are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by Liz Whitberry should not be construed as specific tax, legal, or investment advice, nor as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Neither J.W. Cole Financial nor its representatives provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W. Cole. Investing is subject to risks, including the loss of principal. Due to volatility within the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed.